Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. Coming from my apartment in San Francisco, where I just got home uh, late Thursday night, early Friday morning from covering uh, two wild games in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Arizona losing uh, to Xavier in a stunning upset. Sean Miller remains the best coach in the country to have not been at the Final Four, not made a Final Four yet. And um, Gonzaga with, you know, maybe the coach, if, if Sean Miller isn't the best coach, maybe the best coach to not make a Final Four is Mark Few, um, the coach of the Gonzaga Bulldogs, who won a, uh, a close game beating Bob Huggins in West Virginia, uh, 61-58, to go to the Elite Eight uh, for the third time, second time in three years. And the Bulldogs and, and, and Xavier will now face off uh, in a, a, a battle of small Jesuit schools uh, from Spokane, in Gonzaga's case, and Cincinnati and, and Xavier's. And, you know, in my opinion, the two best programs who have not made a Final Four uh, over the last two decades, Xavier and, um, and Gonzaga, two terrific programs. They'll be, they'll be squaring off to, with a chance to go to the Final Four, which is cool as somebody who went to a small uh, Franciscan school, in my case, in St. Bonaventure University, played against Xavier all my entire uh, childhood in the Atlantic 10. Um, you know, it's kind of a neat, kind of a neat battle to see in this age of, uh, you know, college football powerhouses have two teams like that playing. So, um, with all that being said, going to do a, uh, do an NBA mailbag here. Got a bunch of questions from Twitter. Thanks to all the readers out there and followers who, uh, who sent questions there is much appreciated. Um, but before I do get into the questions, I have a fun announcement. Um, a lot of you already, or some of you at least have been reading, uh, the Monday morning post up newsletter that I've been doing, uh, which has been cool. I've appreciated you guys doing that, but, uh, you know, an exciting piece of news the the newsletter is getting a big makeover, um, starting on Monday, uh, it'd be Monday, the 27th. Um, we're going to have the, the newsletter coming out from the Washington post directly. Uh, it's going to, it's got a, it's got a brand new look. Um, it's, it's going to look totally different. It's going to look awesome. I'm really excited about it. We're going to do a lot of, uh, of fun stuff with it. There's going to be some times with the podcast. Uh, there's a potential, I think, you know, depending on what you guys are interested in, there's, I think there's at least a chance that I could be doing some daily newsletter stuff, at least during the first couple round, first round of the playoffs and maybe farther, depending on how that goes. Um, so just trying to get a lot of people to sign up for it. Uh, I think it's got a chance to be really good. I want to hear what you guys would like to have in a newsletter like this. We can tweak some stuff as we go along, but I, I think it's going to be really good. So to subscribe to the newsletter, go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter. So wapo.st slash postupnewsletter, all in word. Um, it, you know, that, go there, uh, sign, up for the, sign up for the newsletter there. It'll, it'll come to your, directly to your inbox every Monday. Um, will be, you know, ton of NBA content, all my work from the previous week, other people's from around, around the country, good work that I saw. There's going to be, uh, you know, a bunch of other stuff in there to, to check out. I think it's going to be really good. Um, like I said, open to, to any, um, any feedback you guys can give me on it in terms of, uh, in terms of what you like or what you don't like. So, um, again, one more time, go to wapo.st slash post up newsletter and subscribe to, uh, subscribe to the Monday Morning Post Up, which I think you guys will really like if you are into my work and into the NBA, like I think anybody listening to this podcast would be. So appreciate in advance you guys being willing to do that. And with that, let's uh, let's get into some questions. So I'll just start with this one. Uh, who are your top three picks in this year's NBA draft? This is an interesting question. Top two picks are very clear. It's going to be Markel Fultz from Washington and Lonzo Ball from UCLA. 
going first and second, a pair of terrific point guards. I think they're both going to be multiple-time All-Stars, really, really good players. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to go in the top two picks. The third pick is where things get interesting. Um, you have Josh Jackson from Kansas. You have Jason Tatum from Duke. Uh, you know, there, there's other guys that could that could potentially spin the mix there. Dennis Smith from NC State. Um, you know, there, there's there's a whole bunch of guys, you know, that, that are kind of in that three, four, five, six range um, that could potentially jump up. But my guess is that, you know, given some of the stuff that I saw him do, I, I, it'll probably depend on the team. But I think that I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you saw Jason Tatum go third. Um, you know, big rangy wing, can handle the ball, can shoot it. Um, showed a lot of flashes during the during the latter part of the year, um, but Jackson's been really good. If Kansas goes on to win his national championship, that could help him. Um, there's a lot of a lot of things at play, but what's for certain is that Ball and Fultz are going to go in some order at the top of the draft, and then after that, we'll see um, we'll see where things go from there. What percentage of this terrible Cavs defense is effort, and what percentage is them just not being very talented defensively? It's kind of hard for me to parse that out. Um, I think a lot of the problems are the fact that the Cavs just don't have a lot of defensive talent. If you look at their team, you know, you've got Kyrie Irving, who doesn't really guard anybody. You've got Kevin Love, who's just getting back healthy, who's not a great defender. You've got Kyle Korver and Channing Frye playing big minutes. They're not great defenders. Uh, J.R. Smith, when he's healthy, is kind of an average defender. He's just getting back now. Uh, LeBron has is, is not putting in the effort on defense, which is totally understandable given the amount of workload he's got on offense and just the amount of miles he's played you know he's going to turn it up you know in the finals when it really matters but up until you know until he has to turn it up he's gonna you know kind of ratchet it down a little bit so you know there just aren't a lot of plus defenders on the Cavs period I mean you say Iman Shumpert's probably an above average defender Tristan Thompson's an above average defender right now in everybody else on the team is no better than average and most of them are below average so you know, it's not shocking that they have a bad defense. The, the question is, is it going to be a problem in the playoffs, and are they going to be able to turn it up when they need to? I think they have enough to get by everybody in the East still without a lot of trouble. You know, there's a chance that they have some injuries, something could happen. But I think if, if, they get, if they get everybody back healthy and ready to go for the start of the playoffs, they should make it to the finals. The question is, if you look at a matchup with, say, Golden State, how are they going to guard Golden State? I've thought from the beginning they're not going to be able to. I just don't see how you can look at them and go, this is a li- they have a lineup that makes sense against Golden State. You saw that in the game in Oakland where Golden State blew them off the court. You saw it in the game in Cleveland where, for really 42 minutes of the game, Golden State comfortably controlled the game and then kind of fell apart late. Um, so I-, I think that that's a question that Cleveland has to answer, and I, I haven't seen them do anything that's going to um, that, that's going to change change that for me. Could a trade of Boogie for Bledsoe in the summer and letting Drew walk work for the Pels? Uh, this would be Demarcus Cousins for Eric Bledsoe. Uh, no, I, I don't really see that happening. Um, I, I think that if Demarcus Cousins got traded in the event that say Drew Holiday left, uh, I, I don't know if they would be looking for Eric Bledsoe as a as a package. I think they'd want some more young players. Maybe you could have Bledsoe be the center of a package. Um, but I, I don't know why Phoenix would really do that. They've got all these young guys. That's kind of, you know, DeMarcus is on a different track from everybody on that team. So I, I think if, if they had to move someone like Bledsoe in that situation, I, I don't really see why they would do it. Um, I, you know, I think for New Orleans, they clearly want to keep this group together. If they can keep Holiday, who I think is terrific, um, have him go with, with Cousins and, and Davis. The, the, the Pelicans have been terrific on defense since the trade. Um, they've been terrific on defense for months, even though Alvin Gentry is known as kind of this, you know, Mike D'Antoni disciple and an offensive coach. Um, you know, so I think that they look at that team and think that 
they get a chance to put it together next year, have an offseason to find pieces to fit around that core group, they could be really good. So my guess is they're going to try to do that and not try to walk away from any of these guys. And, you know, maybe if Drew Holiday leaves, maybe then they look to blow it up and trade Cousins and get something for him, given they didn't give up a ton to get him in the first place. Um, but, you know, it remains to be seen how it's going to go. And look, they could also jump into the top three in the lottery. I mean, they're, they're in lottery position right now, you know, to have a, sh- a pretty decent shot to get in that top three and keep their pick and really make that Cousins trade look like a complete debacle for the Kings. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see uh, how that all plays out. But I, I, don't, I wouldn't anticipate any kind of trade like that happening. Can the Heat win a first-round matchup? I don't think it's impossible. You know, Miami's been remarkable really over the last few months. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're going to make the playoffs, which is you know, really incredible when you think that they were at one point you know, 11 and 30 or 10 and 31, whatever the exact record was. I think they were 11 and 30. Um, you know, and now they're, they're, in eighth, they're in eighth place as of now in the Eastern Conference. They're 35 and 37. You know, I think they've got a really good chance to get to 500 for the year. Uh, Eric Spolscher, to me, is the clear coach of the year at this point. I think he surpassed Mike D'Antoni and Scott Brooks and everybody. I mean, he's just done an unbelievable job with that team. Um, even after the long winning streak they had, they've still kept winning. It's not like that was just they got on a hot streak and, and it died. Um, the, the question for, for the Heat is how high can it get up? You know, if they're playing, if they're playing Boston in the first round, um, you know, if they're playing, if they're playing the Celtics, and uh, you know, maybe they could beat them. If they're playing Washington, maybe they could beat them, or Toronto, or Atlanta. Um, you know, even though I don't, I think the, the top four is pretty well locked in at this point. Um, but I, I can't see, I can't see a scenario where, um, you know, if worth if they play Cleveland, they they have no chance. But if they if they get Boston or Washington in a series, I, I think or Toronto somehow, I, I think that that could be potentially uh, an interesting, you know, potentially competitive series. Um, you know, I, I think that that I think that that is is something to really watch for. And, and look, you know, this team has basically been playing on the pace of a sixty win team for what for months now. So you know, I think you have to give them some credit. And Spolstra's a great coach, and uh, they've got a lot of guys who are ready to. You know, are, are veteran guys. They've got Goran Dragic, who's, who's been through a million wars before. So um, I, I wouldn't bet on them winning a series, but I certainly think they'll have a chance. And it's it's been a great story and a, a really fun thing to watch. Just uh, what restricted free agent candidates uh, for this summer are potential offers or potential candidates for offers from the Brooklyn Nets? And does their team match? Uh, as you saw last summer, if you're going to go after restricted free agents, most of the time you're going to be disappointed and you're not going to get the player that you hope for. Um, I, this is going to be the case for the Nets again. I'm sure they're going to try to go after a guy like Otto Porter. I can promise you Otto Porter is not going anywhere. Uh, he's going to stay with the Wizards. Ironically, part of part of the thinking in trading Andrew Nicholson to the Brooklyn Nets was to make sure that the Wizards could keep Otto Porter at a full max contract without you know potentially losing him in free agency if, if they had to go in way deep into the luxury tax to pay him. So you know Otto Otto is not going anywhere. They want to keep that core together with him and Bradley Beal and John Wall and and build with that after the success they've had this year. So that's not happening. Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope I think is a guy that teams like the Nets and Sixers are going to chase. Um, do I think they can get him? Probably not. You know I don't I don't really see Stan Van Gundy no matter what happens with Detroit here down the stretch. Uh, blowing that up and and giving away the farm, um, you know. Do I think that uh, do I think that it's possible if he gets offered a max that maybe they would 
work out a trade or, or do something to not pay KCP the max. I think it's possible, but I also think it's unlikely. Um, my guess is they're going to roll that group back no matter what and, and give it another shot other than maybe moving on from, from Reggie Jackson. But, you know, I, and I think, you know, it's kind of the same as you go down the list. I just, it's hard. It's hard right now to know how all these situations are going to play out in terms of who's going to have money and, and where things are going to be. But, you know, there's a reason very few restricted free agents change teams. The history of the the history of that contract is that if you're a restricted free agent, your value is a little depressed and you stay on your own team. So um, I, I think that barring any of those guys, uh, you know, something happening injury wise or something else weird that we don't know about, um, you know, be it'll. I, I don't think that the Nets are going to have much success, more more much more success than they did last year trying to go after those kind of guys. Thoughts on Kyle Lowry coming back for the playoffs and what do the Raptors do with him this offseason, Max? Uh, first things first, uh, I hope Kyle Lowry is healthy for the playoffs. It would be a shame with everything that's happened in Toronto if he is not this year. My guess is he is probably going to be back. It sounded like although everyone was optimistic he'd be back by the start of the playoffs when he got hurt. You know, it's, it's always tricky. You're talking about somebody hurting a wrist. Potentially something could happen there. But my guess is that Lowry is back and... You know, if, if he's back, they've got, you know, they've got every bit of a chance to beat anybody in the East outside of Cleveland. They could easily get back to the conference finals again if they're on the opposite side of the bracket of Cleveland. And look, you know, could they beat Cleveland? I doubt it. But, you know, trade for Serge Ibaka, P.J. Tucker, that's a, a loaded Raptors team if Kyle Lowry is there and healthy. Um, so, that, you know, that's something to really monitor and see what happens. But, you know, I, I think if he's healthy, they could be trouble. And as for what they're going to do with him this summer, Kyle Lowry's getting a max. Now, maybe Kyle Lowry decides he'll take, you know, 98% of the max to save a tiny bit of money for the, the Raptors moving forward to do some other stuff contractually for other players or to stay out of the tax, maybe to keep uh, Patrick Patterson or something. That's possible. But I, my guess is it's going to be a, you know, show me the money situation. Philly, I think I could see Philly offering him a max contract to come back to Philadelphia play with Joel Embiid, to play with Ben Simmons, to play for, you know, Brian Colangelo, the man who traded for him and brought him to Toronto in the first place. You know, I think there's other teams that are going to be in the mix there. So, you know, I don't think it's a slam dunk that Lowry is back in Toronto. Um, Just like I didn't think it was a slam dunk last year that DeMar DeRozan would be back in Toronto. But I think when it's all said and done, he gets a max from the Raptors and he's back because that's a team that has never done anything before the last couple of years. And, you know, that's something I think you have to carry forward and, and try to try to do something with. You can't bail on that now and, and say, well, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to honor this. Um, you know, we're not going to honor this and, and, and we're not going to keep this thing rolling. So I, I think, I think if push comes to shove, whether they want to do it or not, I think the Raptors offer Lowry the max and he winds up staying there. With the Eastern Conference finals, finals being the goal, should the Wizards focus right now be on keeping the three seed or getting the starters rest? Uh, this rest thing has gotten a little overblown. Uh, I think it's overblown as a topic to begin with. And I think when you look at a team like the Wizards, I mean, look, the Wizards are, the Wizards, of course, they want to, they want to have the highest seed they can. They're only two games behind Boston at this point, uh, with, you know, with nine games to go. If the Wizards go seven and two, you know, maybe they could slip into the two seed. Um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't see the Wizards easing off. They, they want to try, I mean, they're only a game up on Toronto for the four seed. Then you have to play, you know, potentially Atlanta. Though now that the bottom of the East is so screwy that there's at least a chance that you know it might not be Atlanta in that five C, given they've lost five in a row. But um, you know, it's it's everything is jumbled up, and and you just want to get as many wins as you can. See what happens. The Wizards haven't won 50 games in 40 years. I'm sure they'd like to do that. 
I mean, they, they, they are going to play it out. So, you know, I, I think I think worrying about whether they're going to rest guys is kind of silly and, and defeats the purpose. Just let's see what happens with the Wiz over the next few weeks and then see how they do once the playoffs start. Of the Warriors' big four, quote-unquote, who will leave first and why? Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, you could say Kevin Durant because he could decide he doesn't want to be there anymore this summer uh, and, and bolt. But if I had to pick on any of them leaving, which I'm not sure any of me, who knows, they could all finish their careers with the Warriors at this point. Um, I would guess it's probably Draymond Green. I think he's probably going to age the worst of those four guys. Uh, he's the last one to come up uh, his con- for his contract to expire. Uh, Curry is going to sign a five-year max almost certainly this summer. Durant uh, is going to sign you know, probably a one-plus-one and then a long-term deal next summer. Um, but they should both be around. Klay Thompson is a free agent the year after that. And I would think that you know, Klay Thompson is going to age really well. Uh, he's the perfect, you know, guy to have behind a, t- a tandem like Curry and Durant. He doesn't need the ball that much. Uh, he just he goes out and does his job. He doesn't make any noise. He, he plays hard. Um, so, so my guess is that if somebody ever left, it would be Draymond Green. But that's very far down the road, and I, I just don't. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me right now. Is it more likely they all stay here for ten years, or that somebody leaves? Uh, I still think it's more likely that they're all here for a long time. Um, but if, if I did have to pick one guy to leave, I think just based off of, um, you know, kind of the, the historical situation of, the, of uh, where these guys are going to be in terms of their careers over the next few years and how their contracts line up, that Durant is, or that, not Durant, sorry, that Draymond is the best choice to, uh, to be the answer for that question. What's your favorite McDonald's McNugget sauce? Sweet and sour. Easy. Boom. Quick answer. Next question. Uh, having covered some NCAA lately, what do you think is the next unicorn category in the NBA? Now it's three and D wings and stretch fives. I just think it's wings. Like the the like kind of the secret thing about basketball right now is that there are basically no wing players anywhere. Um, it's a real problem. Like you look at a lot of these teams, everybody's trying to play small. Everybody's trying to you know find these six eight guys that can shoot threes and play defense, and there are just very few of those guys. You know, it's kind of become like the left handed pitcher in baseball. If you're a 6'8 guy who can guard multiple positions and can knock down an open three, you're a guy that's going to make a ton of money in the NBA. And, you know, that to me, you know, that to me is kind of becoming the unicorn. Just the, the guys, those those solid role player wings, there's just very, very few of those guys anywhere. And, you know, it'll, it, I'm, just, I'm not quite sure why. Uh, there's a lot of guys who are that size who aren't able to do those things. I don't know what the deal is. I'd, I'd love to find out. And I think until it changes, that that's probably going to be, you know, that unicorn position you're talking about going forward in the uh, in the NBA. If the Raptors want to move Corey Joseph this summer for tax relief, who would be interested in what could he garner in return? I think if the Raptors decide to seek out some cap relief, they wouldn't trade Corey Joseph. They would trade Jonas Valanciunas. Uh presumably they would make such a move they're going to sign Serge Ibaka long term so if you sign Ibaka long term then you turn around and you um you move Valanciunas you you maybe you keep Patterson then you play uh Ibaka and and Patterson together as your starting bigs and you have Ibaka operate as the center you know Jonas Valanciunas has barely played in the fourth quarter since the deadline when they got Serge Ibaka uh Dwayne Casey's went away from him late in games for years now because of his defense Ibaka can shoot the three is a better defensive player. Is more mobile. Um, yeah, I think I think he he's been a good fit for them. And you know I, I could definitely. And he also, as I've said a few times since the trade, shares an agent with uh, with Kyle Lowry, uh, Andy Miller from ASM Sports. So um, you know that's something to factor in here too. So so again, if if they do decide that they need to they need to uh, 
cut some salary and 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 lighten their load if they're going to bring back Ibaka and, and bring back Lowry and maybe bring back Patterson. Um, then I think Valanciunas, not Joseph, is the most likely candidate. And I, I think there's a bunch of teams that could use him uh, and would trade for him. I mean, he's a young guy. He's pretty good. I think he's better than the uh, Vucevic, you know, that kind of Vucevic-Monroe group. Um, and, I, you know, I think a team like, you know, maybe Sacramento, uh, you know, there's there's a few teams I think that could potentially be in the mix for a guy like him uh, if, if, he deci- if they decide to move on from him. How do you picture the details of a trade if Melo decides to leave New York this summer? I don't think he will, um, but if he does decide to leave, I think it's going to be the trade we've kind of thought it was going to be all along, which is you know probably not getting a lot for him. You know maybe they get a pick if they're lucky. Uh, preferably they get a bunch of expiring contracts. Um, you know I think that you know if it's you know a couple of expiring contracts and a and a, a late first round pick maybe would do it. Um, I'm not maybe not even that. Maybe it would be less than that. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, at this point, Melo scored heading towards the end of his prime, uh, might already be out of the end of his prime, uh, has been, has gotten banged up a little bit. Um, I just can't see him being moved, um, and, and that trade happening. I think that ship is pretty much sailed at this point, unless he just really says he wants to leave. And then again, or, I mean, are you trading him for, you know, Kevin Love? I doubt it. Are you trading him for, you know, you're probably trading for something like that Clippers offer that was on the table. You know, Austin Rivers and Jamal Crawford. I mean, it's probably something like that. It's not going to be the kind of trade people think because Carmelo has this no trade clause and he can, you know, kind of hold the Knicks up to, to leave if he decides he wants to. But I, I still think, if you ask me, my money is on Carmelo being on the Knicks next year and this whole circus in New York just starting over again. What do you think the Nets can realistically accomplish this offseason? You know, the Nets just need to keep getting competent. I, I think, you know, it was too bad that Jeremy Lin got hurt because if he had been healthy the entire season, I think, you know, we've seen that they can be competitive with, with him. Um, you know, so I think that that, you know, not that they would have been, they would have been winning 35 or 40 games, but I think they could have won, you know, maybe 25 to 30. And if they did that, you know, maybe they have the eighth pick in the lottery instead of the first pick. And that this season has a little bit of a different narrative to it for them. But um, they just, you know, they've got two late first round picks. They need to get a couple guys that could play for them there. They need to, to kind of scour Europe to find guys that can help there. They need to try to, you know, get some undervalued guys on the free agent market now, use their cap space to, to do more trades like the Nicholson trade to bring back a first-round pick. Um, you know, the more moves they can do like that to get as many assets as they possibly can. I mean, they just need to accumulate assets they can turn around and turn into more things. I mean, that, that, that I think, is the most important thing they could do. And look, I mean, we just talked about Carmelo. You know, could they trade Brook Lopez? Sure, they could. I don't think he's really movable, but just because of the – the glut of um, the glut of centers around the league, but you know maybe somebody get desperate trades for him. So th- there's stuff that they can do, but I think that you know I, I think personally that the Nets uh, are in a decent place. Although it's going to be rough for a couple of years, uh, Sean Marks and, and Kenny Atkinson I think are are both good at their jobs. I think they've got a plan, and if the Nets stick to their plan and and ownership allows those guys to kind of follow through on what they're doing, I think things are going to work out for them just fine. What's your view on the narrative that Russell Westbrook has no help and he's carrying his team versus the narrative on James Harden having help and system? Um, I think that Russ, you know, Russ is having an incredible year. Talked about this on the True Who pod today with, with Ethan and Zach and Jade. Um, Russ is having a terrific year, incredible year. But we need to stop talking about these triple doubles. Uh, you know, the NBA is basically in the steroid era of baseball right now. Um, which is a weird thing to say. I'm not trying to say that anybody's on steroids in the NBA. I'm just talking strictly about the way the stats have been blown up. With as fast as everybody is playing, 
you know, these triple-double stats are out of control. And, you know, they're just, they're not analogous to any other season. So, yes, Russell Westbrook's going to win, or is going to, you know, average a triple-double almost certainly. And he's going to play, um, and he's going to have all these incredible numbers. But it, it's just also a situation that if this, if this was three years ago and Westbrook was averaging a triple-double, I'd be like, hey, that's a really big deal. Now, it's still a big deal, and, and I feel bad because I, I, I sound like I'm belittling it, and I'm not trying to, but I, I just think for, in terms of the MVP race, if you're looking at it from that standpoint, it shouldn't just be, well, Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple-double, so he should be the MVP of the league. I actually think the best argument for Westbrook is that the Thunder have been phenomenal in late and close situations, and he has the ball in his hands in, in basically every second of late and close games. And I, I to me, just personally... I think if you're making Russell Westbrook's MVP case, that is the case. That we have this team, you know, we the Thunder have this team that is an average team that is 10 games over 500. And most of that is because Russell Westbrook in these tight games has made ridiculous plays to bail us out and win us games. You know, brought us back from big deficits against teams like the Nuggets and, and Wizards early in the year. A lot of games like that where he just kind of pulled it out, pulled it out of nowhere and won the game. And I, I think that that... I think that that is the better case than the triple double case. I personally think that I, you know, I have Harden, some some combination of Harden, Kawhi, then LeBron, and then Russell Westbrook. But I, I could probably flip any four of them in any order um, right now. My my I'd lean Kawhi. I would probably say Kawhi, Harden, uh, LeBron, and Westbrook. But if something happened the next two weeks and I completely flipped that upside down, it wouldn't shock me either. I mean, it's it's really you know. People, people should remember this because it's really just a, a remarkable year for everybody involved. And it, it's been really, really cool um, to watch all this play out. Which point guard do you think the Spurs should sign the offseason so that they have a realistic chance of winning the championship? Uh, would, could they sign Chris Paul? I mean, that would probably give them the best chance to win the championship, right? Um, you know, I, I think my guess is the Spurs are just going to re-sign Patty Mills for a decent number and bring him back. Um, they're not getting rid of Tony Parker. I don't see them going out and signing some big replacement to start over Tony Parker, and they love and they love Patty Mills. So my guess is that uh, Patty is back, and they um, and they bail on you know they don't bail on anybody. They they have Patty come back, and they have him and Tony go forward, and and they figure things out from there. I'd be I'd be fairly surprised if something happened that led to them changing things up from uh, from that scenario, unless. Unless Patty goes out and gets an insane amount of money, and they go, "Hey, we, you know, God bless you, Patty. Have fun," and uh, they move on, and they go after some other, you know, kind of similar under the radar guy that you know has maybe been passed over a couple times that they get on the cheap and is great because they're the Spurs and and that's what they do. But um, you know, I I think that you know that the, the what point guard they get I think is going to be Patty Mills, and then we'll see what happens from there. Assuming the Sixers get the fifth pick and Embiid and Simmons are healthy, what player fits their future at that spot? Uh, I mean, I think you just got to go best player available. I mean, the the Sixers have, you know, three players you would say right now that you like, right? In Embiid, Sarich, and Simmons. And you want to say Robert Covington, that's a fourth. So there's four guys you definitely like. Okafer, they want to, Jaleel Okafer, they want to trade. So, you know, like Rashawn Holmes, they like his backup big. So they got holes everywhere. I mean, they obviously would like guards. You know, if they have... Two of these top, if they could get the first or second pick and get Markel Fultz or Ball and then get Dennis Smith or Malik Monk, you know, get a couple of guards, that's probably the best case scenario for them. I mean, they, they really need guards 
uh, you know, and that, that's probably, that's the one thing they don't have. And it, that would be, you know, that would, that would probably help them a lot if they could get, say, you know, Ball and Monk or Fultz and Monk or something like that. Um, so I'm sure, you know, if the Sixers do get that fifth pick, you know, they get, they get, uh, you know, they get the Laker pick, you know, they could go for those guys. They could go for a guy like Tatum or Jackson. I mean, they, they could use wings too. I mean, they, they just need anything but centers. So whatever, whether it's, you know, more fours, I mean, you could say Sarich and Simmons are fours, but still they need, they just need bodies that aren't bigs. Anybody that can, that can shoot and do a couple things and play one of those perimeter spots, you know, one, two, three, or even four, you know, that, that's the guy they have to really chase after. Which college player surprised you the most from an NBA prospect perspective? I'm not really the right person to ask that question. Um, I will say, you know, I just don't get a chance to see these guys enough. Uh, I I guess the one thing I will say is that I saw Creighton's Justin Patton uh, last weekend in Sacramento, and he's projected to be a mid-first-round pick, and I I just was not really sold. Um, You know, I think think you can kind of dream on him and say that down the road, you know, maybe he could be Channing Frye. Uh, you know, several years down the road, but I, I think it's just going to take him a really long time and to get bulked up and physically ready for that. And I'm just not sure how it's going to go for him. So that I would say that uh, I, I would say that you know I, I don't really have too many concrete opinions on these guys yet. Other than that, you know, I've seen Markel Fultz play a couple times and he is fantastic. I've seen Lonzo Ball play three times in person; he is fantastic. Um, you know, I got to see Lowry Marketing tonight. Uh, for Arizona, he had an iffy game, um, you know, but I think he, you know, he's a, he's a really hardworking kid. His dad played uh, overseas, um, played, played at Kansas for a year. He's a, he's a good kid, funny kid. I wrote an interesting story about him. I, in per, he does Borat impersonations. He loves Borat, the movie. Uh, he, you know, he likes to go check out, ice, likes to try new kinds of ice cream uh, all the time, plays Call of Duty. I mean, he's just a, a fun, interesting kid, and I think he's going to be a good pro. Um, to, as a stretch four that can really shoot the ball and, and a decent rebounder, um, but might struggle to play a position. So you know, we'll see. It's it's uh, it, there's a lot to, to come yet, and got to go through all the workouts. Got to find who's actually coming or going. Um, a lot of that kind of stuff you have to do. So um, no, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out and, and what happens. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not trying to take Jonathan Gavoni's uh, job. The, uh, the Draft Express guys, him and Mike Schmitz, I got to hang out in Sacramento last week. Uh, those guys are incredible, and I suggest anybody who's an NBA fan um, go go check out their work and and see what, they, uh, see what they've got going on about the draft because they know way more about it at this point and probably at any point than I ever will. Um, what are the contributing factors to the Warriors having the league's best defensive rating since KD's been out? A couple things. Uh, the Warriors have played a fairly soft schedule in that stretch. Uh, they did play Boston. They played San Antonio uh, when they didn't play anybody. Uh, but they played you know, a lot of a lot of struggling teams and have gotten a couple of big wins, which has helped. Um, but really, they're also just a really good team. And people need to remember that the Warriors are really good. And yes, they don't have Kevin. They don't have Kevin Durant right now, but they've got. You know, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and, and Clay Thompson, who are far from chop liver and are, you know, three of the best 15 players in the league. So, you know, if you have three of the best 15 players in the league, you're probably going to be pretty good. You know, that that's really, at the end of the day, that, that's really what it comes down to. Is that if you have that, if you have that many players that are good, you can, uh, you can, you can really do, um, you can really do a lot of things. I mean, that's, you know, it sounds, it sounds, uh, sounds complicated, but it, but it's not really. It's uh, it's it's just not it's just not 
you know, it's, it's really, it's really what this all comes down to at the end of the day. Um, so, all right. Well, thank you, uh, for all of you for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, as always, you can find, you can find my work, uh, on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. You can find me on Facebook at Tim Bontemps MBA. You can find all my work at the Washington Post and on WashingtonPost.com. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the pod, please, uh, please sign up for the, for the newsletter for the Monday morning post up. Uh, again, the address is uh, wapo.st slash post up newsletter. That's wapost, uh, wapo.st slash post up newsletter. Um, go there, check it out. Uh, I'll have that link in the, uh, in the, in the podcast, uh, story too on the website. So if you can't find it, you can check it there too. But uh, again, one more time, wapo.st slash post up newsletter. Um, I think it's going to be really good. I'd love to get feedback on this uh, from you guys. Uh, anything, any things you guys want to um, comment on, any things you want me to do with it. Um, but I really, any, any ideas, if, if you're interested in doing this, uh, the, you know, and me doing this, this daily thing during the playoffs, at least during the first round or two when things are kind of crazy. Um, let me know. Would love to hear any feedback. I think it's really going to be a cool thing. Um, and I appreciate all the work that everybody at, at the post did to put this thing together. I think it's going to be you know, a pretty kick-ass project and I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to look really cool. And I think anybody who's a basketball fan is really going to like it. So, um, thank you to everybody on Twitter who submitted questions. You guys are great. Uh, I really enjoy, uh, everybody that, you know, chimes in about stuff that I write and has thoughts on it and, you know, sends feedback sometimes, you know, it might get annoying if people get a little personal, but you know, I, I know everybody's passionate about this stuff and it, it's fun to be part of. So, um, thank you. Thank you to all of you for that. I appreciate it. Um, and I guess with that, you know, then thanks to, uh, thanks to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. I forgot to say that before, uh, go find their work online. Uh, people love the theme music and they should, cause it's great. So thanks to those guys for that. So thanks again for listening. Thanks, uh, thanks to everybody uh, at the paper for the newsletter. Again, wapo.st slash postup newsletter. wapo.st slash postup newsletter. Go there, subscribe, send feedback to my email, um, tim.bottoms at washpost.com. And once you see it, let me know what you think. Let me know about the possibility of doing it daily during the playoffs. If you're interested in that, uh, stuff you want to see in it, everything else. So uh, got a really fun podcast. Uh, this is going to go up Friday sometime during the day. Got a really fun podcast. I'm recording tomorrow. It's going to go up Monday. Very excited about Think that'll be good. Then we're going to try to get into doing a couple here a week as we go through the last few weeks of the regular season, then into uh, the first week of the, uh, you know, going to the playoffs next month and, and we get rolling from there. So thank you to everybody for coming along for the ride today. Really appreciate it and looking forward to talking to you all again soon.